0: Hi everybody, and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. It's really my privilege to be invited here to speak to you guys tonight about the series that we've got called Lifescape. Now, James made a bit of fun of this this morning. Um, This is not an actual word, and to be honest, I tried to type it in as well. I didn't like it when I typed it in. But um, for your benefit and mine, let me read out the definition from the Collins Dictionary of Lifescape. It's the narrative that details the intersection of events in an individual's agency, emotions, health, socioeconomic circumstances cultural norms and behaviours over their lifespan. In other words, it's the lens from which they view their life. And the heart behind this series is that God wants to clear your lens. And sometimes he wants to actually change out for something with a bit more, you know, can focus on the wide scape. Because God's not limited to just one perspective or just one viewpoint. God is from everlasting to everlasting. Everything in between, we don't even see a fraction of that. So it's possible for us, during this series, to really widen our scope. And I'm going to encourage you, um, I would listen to the messages, especially James 1 this morning it was really good. Um, it was, he was talking about um, the brave choices we make, and he spoke from tw- um, chapter um, 12 of Romans, verses 1 and 2. And he really spoke about the, the brave decisions that we make, and that sometimes we can, we can be in an environment and have a belief, but things just shift. And a lot of the times peer pressure kicks in and then there's like a, like a belief that just comes to the surface saying that our security is actually found in the opinion of people rather than what we really believe in the inside. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, uh, my wife Hayden and I were watching this program last night on Netflix because um, we finished watching um, watching um, Gotham and so we finished season two, really good. But then we <laughs> were looking for something else. So then we, we came across this program called Fargo. Has anyone heard of it? Fargo is based on the 1996 film of the Coen Brothers, and, and uh, it's, it's really weird. We don't even know what we think about it, to be honest. But we watched the first episode, and the main character had this poster. He had this poster in his basement, and it said it, it was basically like six fish, and they were swimming one way, and then there's this one red fish that was swimming the other way. And the caption was, what if everyone else was wrong, and you were right? And then James preached that this morning. So it was just like, what if everyone else is wrong? And it, sometimes it takes something in the inside of us to realize that the conviction in our hearts has to stand. It doesn't matter what the crowd says. It doesn't matter what the doubts in our hearts say. It's the conviction that we have that has to reign above the crowds. And that was re- I, I love that message and encourage you guys to go and take um, a note of it as well. But tonight I'm speaking about the um, perspective of reality. In other words, real perspective. Yeah. And real perspective because why would why would we live life without the real thing? You know? Why would we if, if life is so short, why would we waste time in a counterfeit? Yeah. You know, why would we not if we have the opportunity to have a reality check and have our, our minds checked and really look at life the right way, why wouldn't we take that chance? Yeah. You know, sometimes familiarity sets in when we get used to so much what we're around and what we see that, we, that we, just, we just judge life by that and say that's it, that's all there is to life because that's all I've ever seen. But God wants to open up your eyes to see further than what you've ever seen before. God wants to expand your life scape so you can see the miracle life that he's called you to. God has a life for you that you can't even think or imagine. Why? Because our, our, our views are so limited, we can't imagine them. Yeah. But then when we understand that God is so far and high and above, and we can learn to see how he sees and actually expands our horizons, and we can see further, we can see greater, and we can see what other people think is mundane, but actually we see them for opportunity, for miracles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so let's expand our lifescape today with a real perspective. Romans 12, um, verse 3, that's where I'm going to focus um, my message today. and um, encourage you guys to read. We're going to be focusing on verses 1 to 8. Um, but I'm going to be doing verse 3 tonight. And it says this, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Am I the only one in this room has ever misjudged how hard an event is going to be, how hard <laughs> a task is going to be? I remember um, when I um, used to compete in martial arts um, years ago. There was uh, before I started my training. I was in London visiting my family, my sister and nephew. who's here, um, so I was visiting them. But since I was so used to the diet and the exercise, and um, when I sat to the dinner table, you, up, Sorry. you did, <laughs> you did. And again, that's what I'm just about to say. Thank you. Um, so basically, their meals are so much bigger than I anticipated. So I just had these, and I was just like, I don't know how I can eat this. So I was like, okay. So I ate it, and I thought I ate a lot before. Then there's this like massive things. I mean, you could f- feed a platoon in these plates, but. But then, and then I was eating it, and then I got used to that. And then three weeks later, I go back home, and we're about to start our competition training. And when you feel like you're carrying like a gallon of water in your stomach, the last thing you want to hear is cardio. <laughs> so then I'm just like, oh, and then we're doing the exercises: push-ups, sit-ups. And, go, <laughs> and that, I was just, I just was not having it. But then I started, I started along with the um, the competition training, and it was, and it was getting better. But the thing was, I wasn't didn't improve my diet, you know. I didn't drink alcohol or anything like that because I was teetotal, also for the competition, so I didn't do that. But you know, I didn't really change my diet. Then one night I had a dream. Not a cheesy dream, but just a dream. It could have been cheese, absolutely, to be fair. But but and then I, I took note of these because sometimes my dreams have been like scarily prophetic, even before Jesus. So I took note of this one. So I remember, right? <laughs> so I remember. I, I, I was um, falling asleep and um I was in like a sort of like a gym hall sort of setting and then my mates were around me and uh, they were just sort of like ignoring me, like they were back to me. And I was just like, what's up with you? What's wrong? What did I do? And then they were just like, you're wasting your life, chaz you're wasting your life. And I was just like, what? You know, but, but I'm training, I'm, I'm, I'm... And then they were just like walking away from me. And then I remember following, like walking after them and then I felt this pain in my chest, like... <gasps> Like you know, like having a heart attack, and I woke up like ah, and then I was like, felt like I actually was having a heart attack. I was like weird, like okay, that's it. From now on, you know, I'm I'm watching the diet, I'm training hard, you know. Come on, like 5 a.m. 5k runs in the morning. So then I started doing this, and you know, my head was playing like you know, like the Rocky th- like montage music, hearts on fire, you know. So that's what I that was going through in my mind, and I was and it was really good. Like my my training was top notch. I was doing um all while working in my job I was getting up in the morning running 5k in the morning going to work coming back and doing the training then going home and then doing 5k in the night but in a sauna suit so so that was, that was pretty hardcore so I was doing this and then came time in the competition shredded like everything was excellent right my my training was so good but then and then I got to the actual competition, and then I thought, this is going to be so easy. So I had, like, a video camera with me, so I gave it to one of my instructors here, film this, this is going to be so easy. So then I just go in, and I'm very, like, lax and lazy. It was a grappling competition. Um, so, and then, So then basically I just sort of, like, lay on the floor, and the guy um, basically passed my defenses, and then he was, on, he was on top of me for, like, four minutes trying to get, like, this choke on my neck. And I was like... Okay, I'm in a fight. I have to do something. So I was behind on points for most of the match, and I was trying to get, get off, and then and I managed to get off, and we stood up, and then now I'm in desperation mode. I had to, I had to win this match. And so I, I was basically, even as fast as I would, I tried to basically dive for a takedown, but he saw it coming, you know. You know, when you're desperate in combat sports, you're predictable. So I just went in, and just nothing happened. And the problem was, I totally misjudged. Because I thought because of my training, because of my athleticism, because of my experience, I was all that in a bag of chips. But then I got (laughs) humbled because I didn't prepare my mind. Romans 12.3 says this, for a man not to think more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. I mean, I went in thinking because I'm in good shape. Because you know, even though they were raising their their hands in victory, I barely broke a sweat. I still lost. I still didn't measure up to the task because of my mindset. I thought because my training was good, my preparation was good, everything was good. just but I just didn't perform in the day because of a mindset. Because I didn't open myself up to learning the right way. And. I don't know if you're like me, but I used to think that when you have confidence, right, there's you grow in confidence and then there's like a point where it just becomes arrogance. You know, and then, and then thinking about it more, you know, the people I've met, the people I've been speaking to and encouraging, I find that, oh, man, hey, man, you can do this and you're really good at that. And they say, oh, no, I'm not. or, or um, And then they sometimes they have like more bloated opinions of themselves. But that term there, highly, is actually referring to arrogance. And the arrogance is not confident then arrogance, arrogance is really measured by how teachable you are. So the difference between confidence and arrogance is how teachable you are. Yeah. Because, you know, I've, I've played guitar this morning, but I never used to be able to play guitar. I could just say, oh, no, I'm never going to play lead guitar. Um, you know, bass is my main set. You know, that's, that's, my, that's my gifting. That's my niche. But that's not the way God moves in people. This is your, this, no, he doesn't, he doesn't function like that where you can only do this and you will only do that. He will always, when you have a heart to serve, you'll always find a place to serve. And that's the truth. When we use ourselves, like I've been telling them, the youth on Friday, is when we open up our hands and use the gifts we've been given, we actually maximize our life. We actually make more of what we've been given by actually opening up and using it, exercising it. So when we, we are called to live with confidence and not be arrogant, for, for, um, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one, a measure of health. Sorry, health. That too. But faith. <laughs> you see, our perspective trumps our pursuits. Do you know what I mean by that? See, how you look at something actually affects how you go and do it. There's a parable in Matthew 25 when the the parable of um, God gives, there's um, a worker who gives um, three guys different talents, one five, one four, and one, one two and one one. And they were given them and then they were going to go out and do works for them. One returned double that, so there's a common fact here of double, so he had five, he ended up with ten, one had two, ended up with four. And to the, to the two people he said, well done good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. You see, the, and then he said, enter into the joy of the Lord. See, because he was using what he was, they were given, they entered into joy. But the last guy, he had a distorted view of who God was or who the employer was, whoever gave him this. And then he said, "Oh, you reap where you didn't sow and you do this and you're that and you just call, end up calling him wicked and lazy, taking what he had from him. Because of a perspective, because he didn't have the real perspective of what he actually had. You see, what we have... This is really important, so this is what happens in any area of life. what you have is a means and not the end. He was trying to teach that to the to the guys saying what you have it 's not meant to be five it 's always meant to be ten, and that 's always meant to be more. What he had was one but it was meant to be two in the end, but he 's like, no 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 i I'm, 'm I'm going 'm going to bury it and then give it back saying that 's my faithful service. Yeah. but what we have is multiplication. Yeah. Faithfulness to God is measured by multiplication. Everything we have is to multiply. So when we see a God who's bigger and grander than what we can ever imagine, the reason that He gives us life is so He can bestow His glory through us. Whatever we have multiplies. The people that we have we have a heart for, it to see and reach, they multiply because when we are faithful to what we have, he grows it by his faithfulness. He brings the increase when we water and we sow. So when our lives are, um, are in, in certain seasons, whatever seasons, there's seasons where we do plow, there's seasons where we do have to um, process things, but there's always places of multiplication yeah. in our lives. The perspective, the wide perspective of our lives is never meant to be the same. It's never meant to look the same forever it's always meant to bring a new life but the thing is right i don't know i just just thinking of the story now it's like why can he why can they see that when he saw the other guys doing more with what he's got he, he saw them but he, they didn't actually enter into that joy with them because his view is distorted yeah. so that begs to say that real isn't always visible You know, I remember, um, the Ma- who's here has seen The Matrix? Now, in that, there's a guy called, um, I'm going to call him Prophet Morpheus to try and fit him into a preacher. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you see, Keanu Reeves, he just discovers that he gets unplugged and he's saved from this dream world. And then he's taken into this other program and he's just like, because he, he can't believe himself because he's still so accustomed to his old way of living. So he's just like, is this, this isn't real. And he's, he's just, like, sort of feeling everything. He's just like, I can't believe this isn't real. And then Morpheus says to him, like, what is real? How do you define real? <laughs> and, uh, and then he's just, like, he just begins to tell him that if if what is real is based on what you see and what you can taste and what you can smell, then it's, all it is is just electrical sim- sim- signals interpreted by your mind. Mm-hmm. And how many people have gotten mixed signals? <laughs> In the dating world, this happens all the time, right? <laughs> but I remember back when I were a lad and we were in a in a, in a club and my, uh, one of my mates, Mike, um, there was this girl who was across the way from the bar from him and she was looking at him and like she liked him, right? So then we were all like, oh, my God. But he didn't see it. So he just looked at her and was like, what are you looking at? Like, Mike, you idiot. Like, <laughs> Make signals. So... Sometimes because of mixed signals, we can miss our opportunities. <laughs> that's not dating advice. That's just a by the by. That's a by the by. But you see, our our perspectives can be skewed. You know, I've met, I've met with so many people and have had so many conversations and their perspectives of life have been shaped by their experiences, mm-hmm. their emotional upbringing, their emotional temperament. And all these things contribute to what they have as um, like a view set of how they view life. Mm-hmm. They have life has to be according to these things, and anything out of those things is not even up for debate. And that's, that's how we as human beings rationally make life decisions. We rationally make world views based on this said this, and this fitted the right time when I was in that sort of frame of understanding. So that made sense then, so that's what I'm going to believe. You know, and then you have like the, the evolution and all that sort of stuff, and it's all that just people said it and decided to believe it, and it became a mindset from which they lived their life. And the truth is that, since because of this, we can get a skewed perspective. And I don't want to talk about that too much, but the only thing I want to really talk about is the one thing that skews our our um our perspective and our scape and our um, how we see things is which many people don't really know, is um, a large string of success. You know, it's so easy to think that you're infallible when you've just done this, and it's worked this, and it's worked this, and it's worked this, and it's worked. Because why would you have to go back and learn and revisit what was successful? So that's what happens sometimes. Um, But then in, in life, I guess it's just limited down to the things that we do so long and feel like we can get away with. As a younger brother of um, three, and I was five years younger than my old, oldest younger brother, so I never got that sort of privilege. Um, I don't know if any of you like, have like, young kids that they do really disgusting things, but they're cute because they're young. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't even allowed to do that. I was five years old, and uh, I picked my nose as a lot of kids did. But then, I think it was William. I don't know, but I think I'll have to ask him. But he, one of them said to me, if you keep doing that, you'll get really sick by seven, you'll die by 12. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't want to do that then. I was five years old, right? <laughs> so I wasn't allowed to have that string of of things. But sometimes we just do things and we feel if we haven't been called on it, then it must be okay. Yeah, yeah. I call this passive permission. If, you have, if, if somebody's acting in a certain way, they're, they've, they're, they're mouthy, but no one wants to challenge them, then that's just enforcing that behaviour, isn't it? Because nobody said anything, it must be okay. And this happened to King David. In 2 Samuel, he had a string of successes after he got made king. Battle after battle, such a fierce warrior, he was even so feared that he was feared as an OAP. I mean, I mean, I, will, I, I don't think I'm, like, like, the toughest person in the world, but if an 85-year-old, like, came at me with a sword, I'd be like, you need to sit down. <laughs> um, but, but David was so feared as a warrior that he was feared in his old age. But he thought he was so infallible that he just stopped listening um, to any advice. So in Second in Samuel 11, I'm just going to read um, snippets of this, bit, it's verses 1 to 4. It came... Th- in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Amnon and besieged Rabbah. But but David remained at Jerusalem. So, in other words, you know, if all the kings go, you know, what if they're wrong and I'm right? So, if um, you'll get there, and then if if it happened one evening that David rose from the bed and walked on the roof of the king's house and the And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. Mm. (laughs) So David went and inquired about the woman, as you do. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? In other words, this guy was someone who's noted in the army and in Israel. Like, "Hey, hey, isn't this somebody's wife? But then it says in verse 4, Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to the house. And this is someone who's known as a man after God's own heart. But after a series of infallibility, you know, he's such a worshipper, such a warrior, such a mighty man of God, such a leader, in fact, the stalemark of the benchmark of leaders in Israel and has been ever since. But he decided that he wasn't going to go to battle with the kings because he had better things to do, like stay in the lazy chair and then go out on the balcony and do nothing like the kings were. But then came this opportunity where he saw a woman that wasn't his wife and then he slept with her and then tried to cover up, and quite extensively so. He basically took this guy who is, was, um, I would say, he's like a sergeant or at least like a lieutenant or a lieutenant and in the army because they led from the front. So um, he got Joab to basically tell him to say, you know, go, go and fight those people and then pull back from him. So then he would end up dying in battle and then to try and legitimize what he did. So then later God tells, sends a prophet Nathan to him saying, well, he's obviously not talking to me, so you tell him. Um, so he basically said, I told him the story. So he's like, hey, um, there's this one rich guy. And he had so many lambs and all this stuff. But then when he had a visitor, you know, he, he didn't kill any of his own lambs to, to prepare for a meal. He took this other guy's lamb. He only had one. It was like a pet. It was like a friend. Took it and killed it and said. And then David was indignant. He's like, how dare he do this? He's so angry. And sometimes that's because when you're under judgment, that's when you're most judgmental. When you just like, you just want to, you know, lash out at that thing that you think, you know, is so bad, but it's in you as well. The same evil you see in someone else is the thought within you. And David experienced this and then Nathan said, ha, you're the man, you're the person. And he goes through this and talks through what's going to happen. And then from that point, David was heartbroken because he realized what exactly happened. He realized that he wasn't infallible. And... There's, there's this saying in church leadership, and maybe you've heard it as well, but some, sometimes the, the, most, the times when you're most vulnerable is after your most successful service. And it's because we think we've done so much, we've, and we've conquered, and, and we, then we think, oh, we can't be beaten, but somehow the enemy creeps in. In Luke 4, when um, Jesus is tempted, and he, and he resisted the enemy three times, and the devil went, and it said, um, in this... Um, In this chapter, he said he went and waited for an opportune time. An opportune time when he thinks he can't be beaten. So this is a time when David was so repentant, so broken because of what happened, because of the perspective that he took. That wasn't a real one, but because he followed what he thought was a good idea at the time. And then Psalm 51 is a beautiful psalm that he wrote in repentance because he, he he realized The sin and the power of what he did. And he turned back to God. And this is beautiful. He says here in verse 16, Psalm 51. For you do not desire a sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. These, God, you will not despise. See, that's basically saying you're sorry with no excuses. Nothing attached. No seasoning on this excuse. I mean, on this apology, it's like, "I'm sorry. This is what it is, and that's that." It's not. You know, I, I was feeling this. I, I was lonely. It was. That's that's not contrite. That's that's us being arrogant in our own abilities. I was. I did this because of this. You know, God sees everything, and when we bring our humble selves to Him, that's when He transforms us. That's when He gives us a real perspective, and that is the key. And I would say the only key to a real perspective is humility. Yeah. Mm. Laying down our perspective, laying down our thoughts, yeah. our wants, our desires, and saying, God, here am I. Mm. And uh, that's what it says in the verse. I'll go up and read it again in um, Romans twelve three. It says here, for not to think more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly. Now that soberly means you're basically, you're curbing or shelving or diminishing your passions, which is your emotions, you know, your, pre, your preconceived ideas. You're, you're saying, you no, know, I'm not dealing with them just now. I'm dealing with what God's revealing just now. So that's, 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 where, that's where it begins. And that's why most people can't access the seas of faith in their life because they're so caught up in what's happened to them. They can't get breakthrough because they're so caught up in the past. Well, I, want, I wanted this and it didn't come to pass. I wanted to see this person get healed and it didn't happen. You know, I, I said that to this person and they acted this way. So how can I ever trust again? How can I ever speak again? You know, so we're, we're hedging our bets on something that was just a, an event. Not a life-changing event necessarily, but it's just an event. Just something that was important to us and something that's so important that we can't put aside to hear what God says about it. And that's where we are sometimes with our lives. We just, something happens and it takes our focus. And then we end up moving, replacing the urgent for the important. So just because this is annoying me now, I'm going to deal with this. But then we forget the important things. And that's a perspective issue. That's a perspective where we don't see clearly what God is trying to do in our our situations. You see, when we're humble before God, that's when we can really access who we are. Our identity is hidden in Christ, in God. So when we are humble before him, that's when he can speak into our hearts. That's when he can speak into our lives. It's not God, you No, know, I want you to do this and this and this and this. There's times for asking. I'm not saying you don't ask. But it's you, you ask not with the motives of trying to bring God down to your level. But it's faith that will rise you, raise you to his level in seeing things. Now, we're never going to see the whole picture, I hope you understand. But you'll see a clearer picture of who God is when we're humble, when we're contrite, when we just come before God and say, I don't have all the answers, but that's okay. I don't see how, you know, the work I'm putting in, I'm not getting fruit from it right away, but that's okay. There's no strain in agriculture. (laughs) So you see that, you go through the... The forest and stuff, is there's, no, ah! there's just, you just see fruit, fruit coming, and that's process of time, process of doing the right things, process of the right, of the right environment to be conducive to that sort of seed. That's where the fruit comes in. Mm-hmm. But it takes a humility to realize that sometimes things will happen when we think they should happen. Mm-hmm. And to see our lives and see our abilities as well as not too little or too much. Confidence makes you teachable. So you can, get, you can have a bad day, but you can learn from it if you're confident. You can have a, like a bad run or a bad competition like I did, but if you, if you learn from it, you can actually grow. It's, it's arrogance that actually stops us from growing. Have you ever tried to speak to somebody who's arrogant? I mean, I was, 15 years ago, I was very arrogant. I was an arrogant teenager, so um, my mum would say something to me like, tidy your room. And I'd be like, because I'm intelligent and very arrogant, I'd be like, well, mum, why would I? I know where everything is. And then she'd be like, I don't care. I want to see the carpet. Tidy the room. But I was like, well, mum, think about it this way, right? It's a multicolor carpet. It's even soft in your feet. So, so I, I would always say something. And she'd be like, oh, you always have to have the last word. I'm like, well, I don't have to. It's just, that's just a natural progression of these of these events. <laughs> So, so when we're arrogant, it just makes us really uncoachable. Yeah. So this is the point where God didn't tell David directly. He sent somebody else to do it, which is quite interesting. Because mm-hmm. before, he, God would, he would go to God and God would tell him, this is like somebody else did it now. Mm-hmm. So, it was, so the dynamic, just because of the state of his teachable heart. Yeah. Um, if I can have someone keys, please, that'd be amazing. See, how teachable we are affects how clearly we can see our lives. Because I'm 28, I know absolutely nothing compared to a lot of older people and they know absolutely nothing compared to the next person. It's all about perspective. It's all about doing life and receiving knowledge, receiving wisdom and then living out skillfully, which is a definition of wisdom, skillful living. Regardless of how poor you are, regardless of how you feel, wisdom trumps all of that because it's out of where you are and how you can apply the knowledge that you've been given into your life. You see, when we curb our emotions, because this is the hardest thing to lay aside the self. Because yeah. our self the common denominator in all of our life, everything. You know, we get up and we're there. We come to church and we're there. We're in our marriage, we're there. It's us. It's me, 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 me. We're always there. So it's so hard to put ourselves aside because it's all. Sometimes it's all we can see. But let me challenge you here. I dare you to say, "God, not my will, but Your will be done." I am a conducer. I'm not the end result. I am a means and not the end. See, our lives are meant to multiply, so our lives naturally multiply into other people. Our friendships, our universities, to have a humble mind to see them how God sees them. It's very heart of what we do in our student outreach is seeing them how God sees them, reaching them because God wants them to be reached. That's why we do what we do. The power of God resides in us being humble enough to receive it and then confident enough, not arrogant, confident enough impart it into our lives, to speak words of faith, as God speaks to us we speak to others you know if we are in this place the best posture to adapt is the one of a sponge when you receive the water of the word of God then when you go into your Monday and pressure is applied, guess what comes out whatever God has imparted into you comes out, whatever is coming to you, whatever you receive from God comes out And you'll be surprised how clean your lens, your perspective comes when you apply what God has been giving to you into your world. Back to verse 3 from um, Romans 12. And it's this word that I just love where God says that he's given us all a measure of faith. All. He's given a piece of himself into our lives. And and that, that just takes me out of the equation altogether. You know, I can't manufacture it. I just have to receive it, and then work in it. You don't have to pray for biceps. You have to develop them. Everyone's got them. It's you, what you develop is what you actually use in your life. Hebrews 11 says this in verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what we can't see now is accessed through faith access through faith something you don't see something you're hoping for is made up of what God has measured out to you those things you hope for those things that you think you know wouldn't it be cool if you know if God's given them to you God will form it and then more important than that he'll prepare you for it but it takes humility if we stand to our feet and um, we're going to pray now humility it's so important. It keeps us in our, in our rightful place, not too high, not too low. And most importantly, not too higher than anyone else or lower than anyone else. And in God's eyes, we're all the same here. In God's eyes, we're all his children. And when God speaks to us, he speaks to us like his children. God has words for your life. God has dreams and plans for your life it takes us to receive them saying God I thank you that you've measured this out for me and it also takes us humility to apply them in our everyday how do you define what is real whatever comes from the original manufacturer whatever comes from God that's how you define what is real you know, not from what a teacher said, or you know, a mother said in their anger, but what your Father God, whose mercies endure forever, stays over you. you now, when you get that seed and water that seed, reality that God has seen from the beginning begins to blossom in your perspective, in your viewpoint. So we can thank God. We can come to, before God as willing recipients of a blessing because we see it for how he sees it. You know, I've seen people be healed. I've seen see people um, get miracle jobs and miracle opportunities and finances, but that's not the end. It's never the end. It's a means to a new beginning. The perspective that everything we have it's not meant to stay with us. It only has context when it's shared with people in this world, in this life they can see God's power. They can see God's provision. They can see how a relationship with God actually is life to the bones. They can see how a relationship with God is not only practical, it's it's like you can't do life without it. Why didn't I discover this sooner? It's when we use our lives as living sacrifices, like it says in Romans 12.1. It's we are living to God. We're living out of the things that we've been given because you know He faithfully provides and He provides seed for the sower whenever we feel we don't have enough God steps in, and that's when we step out into our destinies, into the fulfillment of promise. It takes us on the inside to say, God, I don't fully understand, but I'm going to fully trust. Because trust is given. It's an act of faith to give trust when you don't see how it can go. When you don't see how you can step out. When you see your lives as constricted when God sees constriction in our lives, he actually sees opportunity for freedom. He wants us to break out of our own restrictions that we sometimes put in ourselves. So with hands lifted, we're going to offer those things to God. Anything that's in your life right now, saying, God, I don't know, wh- I don't know where this came from, this pressure, but God, I thank you, Lord, when I lift my hands to you, I, off, I place it before you as an offering. That's my reasonable service. I give my life and everything to you. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.